I'm Yasi Salik, and I'm the host of Bandsplain, a show where we explain cult bands and iconic artists by going deep into their histories and discographies. We're back with a brand new season at our brand new home, the Ringer Podcast Network, tackling a whole new batch of artists, from grunge gods to power pop pioneers to new metal legends, and many, many more. Listen to new episodes every Thursday, only on Spotify. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Psst. Hey, I have a secret. Uh-huh. I use secret whole body deodorant because more than just my armpits stink. Uh-huh. Can I use it where my bra rubs under my... Oh, <laughs> yeah. And what about down there? You know, my... Totally. Four out of five gynecologists would recommend it. So I tried it, and now I get 72 hours of freshness. freshness. From my pits to my... Ooh, I love that it's a spray. Me too. And it comes in sticks and creams too. Go get your secret whole body deodorant. Welcome back to What About Your Friends, a podcast dedicated to the many lives of friendship and how it's portrayed in pop culture. I'm your host, Erica Ramirez. With me on this special episode of What About Your Friends is Sean Fennessy, head of content at The Ringer and host of The Big Picture, and my former Vibe editor circa 2007 or 2008. How dare you age me on your <laughs> podcast? Jesus. What yeah, an introduction. We were, <laughs> e. Ramirez, we were office homies literally more than 15 years ago, which is yes. just painful to think about. But it's so good to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thank you. So in advance of the premiere of season four of Succession this Sunday, today we're talking about one of the most in my opinion, messed up friendships I've ever seen, <laughs> which is Tom and Greg from Succession. When I say the words Tom and Greg, how does that make you feel? <laughs> <sighs> it makes me feel simultaneously terrified and romantic. Because romantic? I, yeah, I want to suggest to you, like, are we even sure that this is a friendship or is it something deeper and bigger and... I don't know. I, you know, the word bromance, I think, was was mm-hmm. thrown around a little bit about these two guys. There's obviously also a mentor and mentee quality to their right. relationship. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm I'm rewatching the series as so many people are to prepare for the new season. And there's the great uh sort of monologue metaphor about Nero and Sporus in season yes. three, when Tom is feeling incredibly stressed about his impending doom jail sentence. And Greg is feeling stuck between Waystar Royco and his loyalty to Kendall and his friendship with Tom. And so, you know, Tom tells this whole story about a, you know, a famous historical figure who divorces his wife, kills his wife, and then huh. castrates his his ward and then marries him and dresses him up. And, you know, in that moment, Tom is elevating this friendship to something much deeper. And so, I don't know, there are not a lot of examples of this kind of friendship. Forget about the fact that it's two men. Forget about the fact that it's an office friendship. There's a kind of non-sexual romantic intensity between these two guys that is so rare and so fascinating, but also, you know, pretty discomforting. It's pretty strange what goes on between them. I don't know. how How do you think about the two of them? I mean, no, I think that once you, now that you describe it that way, definitely see it. I mean, when I think of their dynamic, right, Tom needs this emotional support 
from Greg, uh, especially because Shiv is nowhere to be found for it, even when she is present. And the other siblings just shit on him constantly. They do not yep. take him seriously. And Greg to him is like part mentee, part whipping boy, part confidant. And Greg needs a mentor and considers him, quote unquote, best friend after all of this. I don't know if it's like Stockholm Syndrome, maybe. <laughs> but um, yeah, they, I think you you mentioned that episode with that, that scene. And it feels like every time that Tom gets insecure of his vulnerability that he's expressing to Greg, he then gets aggressive, um, like abusive, and then apologizes. It's like a toxic relationship that they it are really in. Is. But they're both participating in this friendship slash baby relationship. Well, you it's an interesting question then about Greg's agency in the friendship. Mm, mm-hmm. Because I wonder what you think about this. I mean, is Greg really an equal participant or does he feel that he needs to be coordinated with Tom to create a modicum of success for himself. Because Tom doesn't need Greg professionally. You know, he might need an assistant or a number two, a lieutenant, you know, as he Mm. rises through the ranks of the company, eventually, you know, taking on the cable news channel and so many other things. But Greg, you could say, needs a non-relative who can guide him through this massive corporation and bring him along from project to project so he's not just, you know, an amusement park employee as he is when the series begins. Like, what is it that Greg is getting out of this emotionally? We know what he's getting professionally, but emotionally, how does he, does he even really understand how broken Tom is? I I think he does know how broken he is, but I do, I think that this friendship is definitely transactional from both ends. Okay. Uh, And like, I think that Greg, I guess more on a professional level, we've seen Tom bring him with him wherever, right, tier he is every single time, especially at, you know, season three finale, you see Tom being like, you're coming with me, a part of this. So I think that he is getting something from it. I mean, he's not getting... He was about to buy himself his own watch if he was going to go with Kendall. <laughs> like, and then he realizes, like, what am I even doing? Meanwhile, Tom wants to show him how to be rich. So it's like, I think he, if anything, he's getting more of that mentor, like, you know, like visibility from him. But I don't know about, like, can they do without each other, do you think? Wow, it's such an interesting question. I mean, office friendships are so complicated uh, here at The Ringer. <laughs> I'm very close with some of my colleagues, some yeah. some people that I've known for many, many years. Obviously, you and I have known each other for many years. And I, I, I work well with my friends, and I like to work with my friends. But there is invariably a, a, a challenging set of issues that you always confront when you're really close to the people that you work with. And the Roy family is really no exception. I mean, they really just, they are constantly backbiting and undermining mm-hmm. and, you know, shanking each other in Mm -hmm. order to climb and to succeed. And Tom and Greg, even when they're separated, there's this like invisible bond between them, this Mm -hmm. link that exists. You said it, like deeper than Shiv and Tom, you know, deeper than Kendall and Roman, deeper than Logan and Connor, deeper than all of these, you know, blood bonds. Blood, exactly, I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, and it's, I mean, does it really boil down to something as simple as they like each other? They just like each other. And it, like, is that really the secret to friendship? Is it really as... as, as so you don't as, have to love each other as long as you like each other. I think so. I mean, you 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 express love, right? You love mm-hmm. 
your friends, you love your co-host, you want to show people that they're appreciated. But I think you have to want to be around someone. You want to just have that natural like. I'll, get, I'll give you an example. I'm old now and I'm a dad. And when I have free time, I, I, I golf, right? Because I'm a mm-hmm. huge fucking cliche. <laughs> but I was with my friends golfing on Friday afternoon. And I, 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 this is a weird thing to say, but I was just watching them you know, hit their second shots on the sixth hole. And I just looked at these two guys and I was like, I really like those guys. I just like being around them. I like spending my free time with them. It's something you don't really think about when you're in your 20s or your 30s because you're like, of course, I'm surrounded by my friends. But when you're not constantly surrounded by your friends, as you get older and your life becomes more about your family and your career and a variety of other things, it's, it's easier to have some appreciation for them. And I feel like Tom, who is childless, who's in this complicated marriage that he's not always happy in, just needs to be with someone that he likes. And for him, it's easiest to be around Greg because he with he maintains power, but also can be open. And I don't know. There's something yeah. sweet and toxic at the same time about what's between them, from my Ooh, perspective. Those words, sweet and toxic. Well, I think the first thing that I thought of when you were saying this, especially your your golf friends, is that <laughs> you just you guys have fun. Like we do. so, Greg and Tom have fun together. Whether they they're do. by themselves in a VIP second level at a club, right, just themselves and no one mm-hmm. else around, or they're <laughs> at this strange, right, like for his what was it like engagement party or mm-hmm. bachelor party, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're still doing some wild stuff, but they're together. They always kind of come back to each other. I mean. There's water bottles sometimes being thrown in chairs and like Greg <laughs> has to duck, but they're still, weirdly enough, through the abuse, they're having fun together. Do you have volatile friendships? Not like this. I just want to no. put that out there right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not, at, I think the the thing that makes it really hard to dissect with this friendship is the actual abuse that is happening and Greg mm-hmm. kind of like having to work around it you know for example seeing Nate and Shiv together when they were there I guess that was their their engagement party and getting the nerve to tell Tom this and Tom just kind of like shuts him up and then wrestles him to the ground Mm -hmm. and then you know leaves and it's almost just like the minute again that I think Tom projects a lot of what he's his anger that he has with Shiv onto Greg because Greg is always around like yeah, Greg is the, there for him. Yeah, he's the pincushion, right? For all the needles that yeah. need to get stabbed whenever he's feeling frustrated. But like that Nero and Sporus monologue <laughs> that I was talking about, like yeah. that is the the transposition of his feelings onto this guy. And so like, I don't know, it, it feels like elevated beyond we have fun together. Because we have fun together is also yes. the premise for a lot of romances, right? It's a premise yes. for a lot of marriages. Like... <laughs> Even even yes. even complicated marriages, if people are still having fun together, they they tend to stay together, you know. So I I feel like do you think do you think in the long arc of these characters' lives, these completely made up people who are spending a lot of emotional time with, do you think that Tom and Greg will last longer than Tom and Shiv? Absolutely, it's amazing. It's, I agree with you completely. Yeah, I mean Tom verbally says to Shiv right that he should have been out of this. A while ago. He's like mm-hmm. the the saddest he's ever been uh, in this relationship while they're talking about having children or freezing Shiv's eggs. Like, it's just, I don't know if who's going to be the first to go, but I do think that the Tom, that Tom and Greg's friendship will outlast Tom and Shiv's relationship. One thing that's interesting to me about it is 
you know, sometimes if you're in a bad relationship or a relationship that's kind of waning, you know, a mm-hmm. romantic relationship, some people turn to their friends for support. Yeah. And some people try to hide those struggles from their friends because mm-hmm. they don't, they're embarrassed or they don't want to be judged. And I think the later you get into life, the more likely you may be to hide it because if it's a marriage, you've got all of these things invested and untangling those things is complicated. And some people are reluctant to even imagine ending a marriage. You know, there's a whole challenge right. that comes with that. Mm-hmm. But there's something about the way that Tom and Greg are sort of like fiercely, but also jokingly honest with each other. And Greg, you know, he, he kind of lacks an intellectual tact, right? He's not raised in this prim and proper environment. So he's constantly right. putting on as though he's comfortable, even though he's not comfortable in any situation. I just, um, I agree with you. I think Tom and Greg are in it for the long haul, which is fascinating. I think they also, they represent like a long history of abused lieutenants, you know, yes. and abused lieutenants is kind of a theme of this show. Yeah. I I just thought of uh, the safe room, the episode safe room. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Greg, of course, decides that this is the perfect time to ask for what feels like an open relationship professionally. And of course, you know, Tom gets triggered because he's had this conversation with Shiv on his wedding night, starts throwing water bottles. And then like, as everything's over in a safe room that really wasn't a safe room, he like apologizes and Greg continues to just kind of ask if he could blackmail him. Like, (laughs) (laughs) so even when he's trying to like, go against him. He's very like polite and wants his opinion on going against him. It's like a really, (laughs) what is happening? Do you think that, do you think that Tom is good for Greg at the end of the day? I haven't, pros and cons. I think the cons add up. There's more cons than pros. What are the cons? Let's go through them. Potential physical violence. That's that's a con. Emotional trauma. That's a con. (laughs) The funny thing is, like, should, shouldn't that just be enough? Like, <laughs> like, shouldn't that make for more instead of, like, well, I just, but, we talked about, like, professionally, what is Greg, is it worth, is this friendship worth it professionally, specifically to Greg? Mm-hmm. And also even, like, Tom, right? Like you said, he's more of, like, an assistant, if anything. Emotionally, on the other hand, though, Greg is, like, his confidant. Mm-hmm. So as far as professionally, or I guess within this world, it feels like that is the most important element. And maybe that's the problem is it doesn't, it seems like it's not as great as it should be for both of them. And yet they end season three, like potentially yeah. riding high, right? Yeah. So I, it's so hard to say. I mean, this is a really, uh, it's a complex question about the way that we view professional experience. Because mm-hmm. I think we're at this interesting We've been at this kind of interesting turning point for the last five to 10 years. And as I said, I am getting older. So please forgive me if I'm misstepping in any meaningful (laughs) way. But like, I think the way that uh, people are creatively or professionally managed has just changed a lot in that time. And so Mm -hmm. because of that, when we see Greg and Tom, especially if you're a younger viewer of the show, you're like, oh my God, this is horrifying. Right. This relationship that they have. I mean, this is like, you could be sued. Could you even go to jail for some of the things that Tom does to Greg? <laughs> yes. you know, he, he can be violent. He can be so angry at times. And on the other hand, there's this kind of like this sweetness and you've got this really um, 
insecure and clearly like emotionally locked off middle Midwestern guy in Tom who doesn't know how to express himself, got himself into a bad marriage. And mm -hmm. so you, we've like psych psychologized our way through why he is that way. And also right. Matthew McFadden is such a, such a likable and hilarious actor mm -hmm. that we're willing to forgive the obvious bad behavior. But if you think about it in the kind of practical terms of our contemporary society, there, this is how you used to mentor and raise people inside of companies. Maybe not quite to this like um, abusive, but, but I was going to say more like literary extent. Mm. You know, like the dialogue that they have between each other mm -hmm. is sort of absurdist in the way that it's yes. written. And it, 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 in some cases, it wouldn't be as abusive. Like you and I were not privy to like specifically this kind of abuse. Like when we were working together, nobody was <laughs> yes. throwing water bottles at each other. Right. But people would be really hard on their reports, like yeah. really hard. They would send nasty voicemails and scream. And they would send really nasty emails. And I think that that has, our culture has changed a lot, at least from my perspective in the last 10 years. And because a lot of this stuff has come to light. So it's interesting to think about one, the corporate culture of the show that's been created. And two, the idea of Tom kind of sliding neatly into the long history of bad corporate culture, mm. which, you know, almost takes down the company in seasons two and three with the cruise scandal and is used as this kind of leverage point and mm -hmm. all the terrible things that are happening there. And to think of Tom and Greg as this beautiful kind of, you know, ongoing example of what happens to people when all they care about is money and power inside of their careers. And yet inside of that is this like little tiny tulip, you know, of friendship. <laughs> <laughs> that, like, you can see, I you can see when you watch would them. describe Tom and Greg's friendship as a tulip. That's I mean, <laughs> But it's like, it's beautiful in, in some ways. I mean, I see their vulnerability with each other and I'm touched by it. Uh, yeah. And and so it's really a, a holding two thoughts in your mind at the same time kind of proposition. This episode is brought to you by Rockstar Energy Drink. Be honest, are you procrastinating by listening to this podcast? It's okay. You just need Rockstar Focus. Choose from three delicious flavors, each crafted with ingredients for an ideal energy and mental boost, like lion's mane, 200 milligrams of caffeine, and zero sugar. Visit rockstarenergy.com to learn more. At least 75 milligrams of caffeine has been shown to help improve attention. Going for your first ever run around the park. Literally running errands all over town. Running for the finish line and your personal best. If you run, you're a runner. Find the shoes and clothes to run your way at newbalance.com slash running. New Balance. Run your way. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God, this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. So I think that we can agree that this friendship may last longer than the other friendships, whether they be, you know, sibling, parental. How does their friendship differ from the other ones in succession, do you think? Like Roman and Jerry, Stewie and Kendall, like the ones that aren't really, or can be, the ones that are also family. 
this might just be me overreading it, but I do think that most of the critical relationships in the show have a kind of odd charged sexual atmosphere. Um, like even like obviously Joan, uh, Jerry and Roman, we know yes. mm-hmm. there is like an there is a friendship there, and there is a kind of mentor mentee quality there too. But there's a an open sexual energy between them that is often discussed, especially from Roman's perspective. Right. Um, I I just don't know if um, most of those people actually like each other. Right. And I do think that Tom and Greg like each other because they know where they can kind of fill in the gaps for the other person. I think for the Mm. most part, those other relationships are very transactional. Kendall and Stewie is an interesting one because one, I love Stewie. He's one of my favorite characters (laughs) on the show. Um, He's the most no bullshit character. He operates in a kind of like bro code, bro language that is also fully cutthroat in business. And his like, um, him slipping in and out of persona and in and out of friendship Mm -hmm. is like one of his skills. So it doesn't feel like there's anything genuine there. They just, they kind of, they were, those are two really powerful guys who also actually have no power, right? They're supplicants to power yeah. on a regular basis to Logan or to, or to Sandy or whomever. And over time, we see like their, the bitterness grow between, between them. Like think about yeah. when you first see Kendall and Stewie and they're like at a coffee shop and they're talking about the potential of making a big change inside the company. And it's like, it's all very buddy-buddy and, you know, they seem like frat brothers. Yeah. And over time, it's become like, kind of nose-to-nose rivalry in many Mm -hmm. ways. But, so I don't think that any of those friendships are actually real. I am intrigued by a couple of other kind of stray relationships. Like, you see this kind of tense pact between Sandy Furness, played by Hope Davis, Sandy's daughter, and and Shiv. And you think like, Mm -hmm. oh, or like, or Shiv and and Lisa, um, Sanaa Lathan's lawyer character. Mm -hmm. And you're like, I, the, because the emotions run so hot in those relationships, you think that there actually could be like a more meaningful friendship at the heart of them that right. get blown up. But I don't look at, like I look at a character like Connor and I'm like, does Connor have any friends? Like yeah. has he ever met a person that he actually wants to spend time with? And because he's just such a blatant narcissist. And that's the thing is that it's a show full of narcissists. So narcissists often don't make good friends. They don't make reliable people who when you're having a problem, you can call them. Um, yeah, and it's just it's a show full of inherently bad people that we love. So it it really challenges the very premise of your show. <laughs> Do the are these people really friends? I mean, you mentioned, and I think we agree, like transactional friendships. If not most, all of them are transactional friendships. I I don't know if you agree, but I think in this world that they live in. I think every friendship has to be transactional. And I think just Tom and Greg's is more emotionally transactional than the other friendships. I'm going to I'm gonna throw that back at you, though, because, like, you've worked in the media for a long time. Mm-hmm. A lot of, I assume a lot of your friends also work in the media. Yeah. Sometimes maybe you collaborate with them, sometimes you don't. But when you're spending time with someone who has a job that is similar to yours, mm-hmm. who you and you guys might intersect professionally at some point, do you have anything in the back of your mind that says, like, behave well or, you know, think about the long-term aspects of this interaction? Like, do you have a consciousness about that? Or are you just the kind of person who's like, come what may, the only thing that matters is human relationships and everything else is secondary to that? Because I, that purity of the second choice, I think is pretty hard for people in, the, in, like the, in the modern context. I mean, if they are friends, I do have that. I will look out for this person as well. Not, mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's not just about me, um, which is usually the the level of friendships that are within these collaborations 
you know, or partnerships that I work in where I'm like, I'm still looking out for this other person. Mm. What do you, can you define that? Like, what do you mean by looking out for them? Like does, 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 does Tom look out for Greg in that way? Like how do, is, is, is it relatable to this absurd story that we love? I mean, I, I hope not for my <laughs> friends, but <laughs> I think when I speak as those type of friendships for me, I think I consider, I would love to make sure that the person I'm working with, if I have any say, is getting properly paid, right? The rate is good. Their contract is good. Things like that, that I want to look out for, for them, um, Tom and Greg, I think that Tom, when Tom gets scared emotionally that Greg will leave him, that's when he ups Greg's uh, level within the company or within whatever department he's in. Like, no, no, no. How about I give you this? Or how about mm-hmm. this is your new title after I throw water bottles at you? Like, <laughs> I feel like there's always like, a, I mean, there's a, an apology within that of, for the abuse, but I don't know if his first instinct is let me look out for Greg, but you know, there is the exception, like you said, that that season finale of season three, where Tom goes to Greg when he's about to make this big move. The other thing you siblings. see though, like you see these complicated relationships between underlings where sometimes it just makes someone who's in power seem more powerful just to say, I have underlings. Mm-hmm. I have a team. And like I, was Tom basically bringing Greg along because he wants to seem like he has power because he has mm. this kind of chain of command? Or does he actually care for him and want to look out for him and do the things that you're saying you would do with your friends? Mm-hmm. It's a very it's very complicated and very elusive, and maybe they don't even really know. And so I think that's part of what makes it a, a, a special dynamic on the show. When have you seen a moment, or what moment or episode do you think of when you think Tom was looking out for Greg? not because of any type of gain for himself, if there is anything. I think the episode where um, in the first season, the uh, Which Side Are You On episode, where Mm. he takes him out. And you mentioned going to the second floor of the club. That's the night when they eat the rare exotic bird. Yes, They have a long dinner together. It's Greg's second dinner of the night. And he sits with him. (laughs) Um, Yes. I think that that episode is like a true attempt at an like bonding. Now, does Tom have like a few underlying kind of grooming at, like qualities that he's pursuing? I, he does. Mm-hmm. I think he kind of always has that. But I also think that there was a part of him that was so excited to just confer to someone else that he clicks with about what it's like to be rich. You know, he's yeah. so... Because he, Tom, you get the impression, is not really from like significant means either. And so he has been living in this corporate world for 10, 15 years where he's had all of this access to fun things. Obviously, that episode reveals like how not fun most of those things are and how mm. ridiculous they are and like what a waste of money they are. And how like if you're a 40-year-old businessman that works at a cable news network, like they don't want you in the club. Like you're not the the toast of the town when you're yeah. in that situation. But you can see that he wants a little bit of it, of it is showing off to Greg, like everything he's accomplished, obviously. But I do think that there's a part of him that's like, I want to bond with a guy at work. I want to yeah. bond with somebody that maybe we could have fun together. And so th- that's a simpler time in the series. That first that <laughs> yeah. first season, things have yeah. changed a lot since then. But I do think that that was pure. What do you feel about the four on the floor scene? Because um. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they- I thought of when I thought of like, you know, when... Tom pretty much protects Greg when he yes. accidentally speaks to this, you know, journalist for the bio- for Logan's biography. Um, and they're on the ground, I can't even, like, trying to grab, like, <laughs> grab sausages being thrown at them. Like, 
how did you feel about that scene as, as far as like their friendship goes? Um, I I think it that was that felt like more of a romantic gesture to me, honestly. Ooh, like I felt, okay. I felt more like a, you will not destroy my little boy. Um, <laughs> but, but I, I, you're right that there is something to it. that shows like the emotional bond, the strength of their yeah. emotional bond that he's not willing to let him get filleted for that. Even though Greg uh, acted like an absolute buffoon, that's like a one-on-one thing. Like what he did there was so so stupid. Yeah. But uh, the bore on the floor episode is tricky because a lot of episodes of the show seem not they seem metaphorical you know the born on the floor was like an an execution of a concept really of like who should be who should be gored here who deserves to be you know embarrassed or 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 killed for that matter um and the show often kind of operates in those tropes and so sometimes when you're watching an episode you're like it's it reminds me a little bit of the sopranos at times where it's they're not dream sequences necessarily like, like the sopranos did but they are these like philosophical examinations of power inside mm-hmm. of a corporate a corporate atmosphere, and sometimes they represent things that are actually true. You know, the writers of the show obviously are very studied in the history of power and especially in media empires. But the Born on the Floor episode is so ridiculous <laughs> that you know it challenges. I don't know how real I I, I view something like that only yeah. happening. Yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're talking a lot about these episodes or specific episodes. I thought we could do a rewatchable style segment for Tom and Greg, where we mm-hmm. pick the most rewatchable Tom and Greg scene from the show. One that, you know, those that really define their friendship the best. We talked about the rich sequence, right? The which mm-hmm. side are you on episode or on the floor on the hunting episode. I talked a lot about safe room, but how did you feel about safe room? Love safe room. Um... I'm trying to think of what is like what's another example of their incredible connectivity because you know the bulk of season three is is them kind of in opposition and then do, do, doing this kind of seduction uh, of bringing Greg back onto Tom's side. Mm-hmm. I still think it's the learn how to be rich sequence to me is mm-hmm. the most rewatchable because it's Tom trying to explain to Greg why his lifestyle is right, but also Tom trying to explain to himself why it's right. And so it's just like an amazing psychological exploration of a person who really needs love and needs companionship. Mm-hmm. And I think that is ultimately what Greg provides for him. And we see that like all the way up until this moment. So that would be my pick. Yeah. I like the simplicity of it also. And like you said, there's like, I think that maybe that's why you see more of that emotional bond and like mm-hmm. mentor mentee. I also go to uh, not showing the emotional side, the lion in the meadow, of course, the Nero and Sporus scene, which you've talked about, where he literally says that he would be happy to castrate him and marry him. Tom would be happy to castrate and marry Greg. And Greg's just like, are you okay? Like, <laughs> even after that entire, uh, like, whatever Tom just went through, he still puts that to the side like forget that he just said he would castrate me but like are is he okay like and tom i think gets like insecure like it kind of brings him back to reality and then he gets defensive and like walks out and you know he like picks a physical fight with him you know where he like starts punching him and he starts trying to mix it up with him because he doesn't almost doesn't know how to deflect from his own embarrassment right which is amazing i that scene though like that is a courtship scene that's a, like a declaration mm. of love. And obviously, people, you know, we love our friends. It's not about that. It's not that that isn't like something that happens. But that feels like him 
at the end of his freedom, making sure that Greg knows how he feels about him, which yeah. is so complicated. And then obviously they come out the other side all the safer. But um, Greg simultaneously being mystified by Tom, but also understanding him completely is one of the genius aspects of their their friendship. Do you think that's why they keep coming back to each other? Or Greg keeps coming back to Tom? I think that there's a very uncharitable reading of their relationship that is like, this is, this is technically just like two losers who don't really have anybody else to turn to. <laughs> like they're both the black sheep of their family. For sure. They're not in the inner, inner circle. They need each other to survive and thrive. Yeah. On the other hand, I don't know. There's something, there's a, a, a floating sweetness between them that you can't manufacture, you know, that's not fake, that's not transactional, that is like when they have joy together, their joy is real. Yeah. I just thought, I thought of also All the Bells say, right, the last episode where Tom literally says, do you want to deal with the devil? And Grace is like, eh, sure. Like, it's... <laughs> He's um, been dealing with the devil, you know? That's the thing. It's like they've been in say, this together. Do you think that that's why Greg was just like, as, like, I guess, evil as Tom may have came off, Greg was just like, sure. Because yeah. it's, it's just the same person he's been dealing with this whole time. It's Nothing's not just different. that it's Tom is the devil. It's like they work for Waystar Royco and ATN. <laughs> like, they have no illusions about the work that they do. I mean, we haven't talked about um, Ewan at all, Greg's grandfather, mm. um, who is kind of like the moral inverse of mm -hmm. his brother Logan and the whole Roy clan. But that's a notable figure in his life because on the one hand, he's kind of like awed by his grandfather who, and thinks he's like a big figure, but also does nothing that his grandfather would ever approve of because his instincts are to succeed and to get money in a very kind of like vainglorious and simple way. Yeah. And that just feels, it makes him a better match for Tom than it does anybody else on the show. Yeah. I mean, Greg is also suing Greenpeace by the end of the... <laughs> Do you think that this friendship would be as strong if Tom had a better relationship with Shiv? I don't. I don't. But I, I also don't think that a stronger relationship with Shiv is plausible for anyone. Mm. I think that she, too, is a kind of a lone wolf and she has a kind of um, consumptive quality when it comes to relationships. You know, yeah. she's constantly looking for what's the next thing around the corner. She wants to be satisfied. She's used to getting what she wants all the time. And yeah. so, you know, she's not really cut out for marriage um, in this way, at least at this phase of her life. But she also is an unfinished project. You know, she's a person who has not really accomplished what she wants to accomplish. And yeah. until she does, you don't get the impression that she's going to be able to really settle down with her partner. Yeah. There's a lot of toxicity, more than we can even talk about. Is Rampant. there other <laughs> other TV or movie friendships that do you think like are as toxic as this one? Ooh. Well, you often find these things on soap operatic shows, you mm. know, like on the, the OC or, mm -hmm. you know, Melrose Place. Like this kind of thing is really common, right? Like, there's right. like a bad boyfriend quality, I think, to Tom and Greg that is very familiar as a trope. But this kind of like deep-seated difficulty, especially between two men, is unusual in movies. I mean, excuse me, in TV shows. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think of a comp here. I mean, you know, Hank and Jesse in Breaking Bad is not so far afield. You know, they're, excuse me, not Hank and Jesse. Um, Heisenberg and Jesse yeah. is like not so far afield. Like they're, they're, they have a similar mentor-mentee mm -hmm. and they develop this kind of emotional bond between each other. They need each other to be successful. 
for long yeah. stretches of time. They check each other at critical moments, but also there's a lot of hostility and rage, mm-hmm. especially emanating from Heisenberg down to Jesse. Yeah. So that feels like a pretty close comp. Yeah. Maybe a future episode about those two. There we go. You're going to be on it. Oh, God. <laughs> um, so overall, do you think that Tom and Greg's friendship is the most healthiest friendship in the entire show? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. <laughs> what does that say about us also? <laughs> I, I mean, I think it's, you know what it is? Like, I think Connor and Willa, for example. Oh, yes. Have, have like, actually come to a an, under, an emotional and, and fiscal understanding between each other. And they seem actually like they're going to make it pretty far. And yes, this because Willa is, screams out, fuck it, like 10 times for, as, yes. <laughs> to accept the proposal. <laughs> She's but and she is like she is in a way like realistic about mm. her lot in life. And so agree, she's willing yes. to roll with Connor on yeah. some of this stuff. Th- that's obviously a romantic relationship. Right. Friendship. Friendship. Secretly a, ro- a relationship, as we right. kind of gathered. Gosh, I don't I, I think Tom, I think it's Tom and Greg, Erica, really. So there you're telling me there's a future here with both of them. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think maybe more than that. I mean, oh my goodness. will they be cohabitating in season four? I don't know. It's possible. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Sean. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm happy to share my deep-seated emotions about mentors and mentees. Where can listeners hear more from you and where can they hear more about Succession? Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm hosting the Big Picture podcast every week talking about movies, but uh, I'll be recapping this season of Succession with um, my recapping pal Joanna Robinson on the Prestige TV podcast, and it and I think we're going to be joined by Bill Simmons on that show as well. Awesome. So it should should be hopefully must listen material, just like I hope season four of Succession is must watch material. And I also want to say thank you for being a healthy mentor as oh, well. Compared well, that means to- a lot to me. I um <laughs> I I I I really uh, cherish my time working with you. So it's nice to be reunited. There's no Tom and Greg situation going on here. Just no, so no, no toxicity whatsoever. <laughs> Thanks, Erica. Thank you so much, Sean. And thank you for listening to What About Your Friends. I'll see you back here next week. 